That noise? That scritchy, scratchy noise? That's the sound of drawing a bear. A special and famous bear. Oh, you know the Berenstain bear. Uh-huh. But what's a Berenstain? Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week I've gotten off my tuchus and gotten a guest on the show. Something I haven't been capable of making myself do for the past few weeks because that requires forethought and uh you know a pre-planning and things have just gotten completely out of hand for me in that regard i mean i hope you enjoyed listening to my last few solo shows about religion berenstain bears books but this week i have a guest and i don't just have any guest i have a guest who's Focus Online has been on one thing in particular that I find fascinating and nostalgic and that I love and that actually ties in with the Berenstain Bears in a nice just dovetail that brings together the Berenstain's history, it brings together my childhood, and it brings together in a very in a very emotional way uh Mike Berenstain and uh the Berenstains themselves Stan and Jan I I am rambling on so I'm going to just go ahead and bring on my guest his name is Mark O'Brien he has a YouTube channel called Uncommon Ephemera where he preserves unusual and forgotten 20th century audiovisual material and I am beyond excited to talk to him today about his project and how it ties in with the with the Berenstain Bears. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on to Deep in Bear Country, Mark O'Brien. Hello, Mark. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me on the Bearcast. Thanks for joining me. I am just yeah. over the moon to talk about this project of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I am a man who only talks about the Berenstain Bears, so you cannot right. dismiss your interests at all. Well, and yeah, but you you have to admit that this is this is pretty niche. So uh, I'm not, uh, you know, any any level of excitement is is both highly appreciated and highly unusual. So I, that's I once I once had an, two episodes where I talked about nothing but the Dizzy the Egg video game. So <laughs> okay, All right. well. this is this is I, I love niche. So why don't you just tell our listeners just basically what it is you do. Uh, well, I, uh, I, I go nuts. Uh, basically mm -hmm. I, uh, I drive myself crazy, uh, trying to, um, <clears throat> so I, like you said, I try and preserve, uh, unusual, um, audiovisual ephemera. So, um, audio cassettes, um, records, vinyl records, and, uh, film strips um everybody knows i hope everybody knows what audio cassettes and vinyl records are we, <laughs> we hope um <clears throat> film strips have been largely forgotten and i'm not sure why mm -hmm. because there is such a strong uh sense of nostalgia and interest in ephemera in the western world right now and doesn't seem to be going away. You know, most of the YouTube channels I watch are about retro type stuff, retro tech. I'm into. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of you know 
YouTube channels that deal with like uh, 80s commercials, 70s yeah. commercials, and they're all ripped from old VHS tapes where people just, thank goodness they didn't, uh, they weren't obsessive compulsive like me and paused <laughs> right. when the commercial break came on. <clears throat> Little did I know that I was uh, uh, screwing over future me, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> getting rid of the only thing that nobody would preserve, right? Um, but but everybody everybody has has seems to be preserving films like movie films, sixteen millimeter films, eight millimeter films. Uh, everybody seems to be preserving VHS, uh, and I think we're we're going to see that with DVD uh, and compact disc. I, um, we're going to we're seeing it with cassette and vinyl. We're seeing a resurgence of cassette and vinyl. But there was this weird little uh, uh, mostly educational format called uh, sound film strip that just got forgotten and i don't know why um so i am endeavoring to uh preserve it and as far as i can tell i'm the only person on earth uh, preserving at least american or western film strip media now for those for those in the audience who don't know what if what what you're referring to when you say right. film strip it's a it's a very specific form of of in of, of audio visual communication that you you mostly saw in the classroom and it was what is like 35 millimeter film it is in fact 35 millimeter film yep but there's still images right that were projected with a special projector frame by frame and usually That's accompanied right. by an audio cassette that would signal you when to turn the frame. Now, I'm a 45-year-old right. man, yeah. and so I grew up with these things. This was mm -hmm. They would haul out that projector into class, and you knew you were going to get at least 15 minutes of downtime learning about something. And if you were lucky and, and so inclined to be interested in such a thing, sometimes the teacher would let you run the projector. If you if you were good in class, they would yeah. they would call on you to turn the knob when it, when that beep came and get, you were absolutely right. right. That was that was like you knew you had played your cards well that week. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it's sort of like it's sort of like the first uh, uh, PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody hates PowerPoint, so I don't want to turn people off to this. Right. But 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 it was used in. Um, it wasn't just used in schools, uh, but it was mostly an educational uh, format. Um, people used it, um, like Chrysler used it a lot for their service technicians starting mm. in the 1940s, actually. Um, and I have some sales, uh, I preserved some sales training film strips from the, from the 1950s, uh, actually. So we, there's evidence that it was used in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but most people do remember it from schools because that was by far the wide, widest, uh, widest of it. Yeah. It seems to be like an, like an evolution of the slideshow. Like it didn't require yep. you to make sure the slides were in the right order. Mm -hmm. Uh, you didn't have these little pieces that scattered <clears throat> everywhere. You got a canister with a 35 yep. millimeter strip in it. All you had to right. do was properly feed it into the thing. Right, you couldn't. You, you, there was no risk that you would drop a drop a slide carousel. Yeah, we're now we have to explain to our right, listeners right. what a slide carousel is. A slide carousel. I, you, you know what? I'm in my 40s too, and I, I I I am willing to bet money that my father never felt 
as old as we do in his forties. <laughs> things just move so fast now, um, and that's well, the other reason why I'm doing this. Well, because these these film strips they began what in the fifty like fifties or sixties? When were they starting? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I I've seen uh, there's evidence that that they were used as far back as the twenties. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but um, but those. When I there's there's sort of two major camps of uh, or or should I say styles of film strips. There's sound film strips which have the accompanying soundtrack on a record or a cassette, and that's mm. where you get the the beep in the soundtrack that tells the the projectionist or the kid, the lucky kid, <laughs> when to advance at one frame. Um, <clears throat> but prior to that technology becoming ubiquitous or commonplace, you had captioned film strips, which was just the film strip and every frame had, uh, had a caption on the bottom. Okay. Analogous to silent movie. Right. Right. Before they had sound. Um, and, uh, and the introduction of sound film strips takes place at different times. Uh, for instance, Chrysler, like I said, uh, was using sound as early as the 40s um, because it's Chrysler. You know, they have money to spend and they are they can design their own film strip projector that has a built-in record player and send that film strip projector to every service department right. in every Chrysler dealership in the country. Whereas um, in schools, you want to, you know, if you start out with captioned film strips without sound, you want to use that equipment for as long as you possibly can until uh, record players, cassette players become commonplace and inexpensive. Right. So sound, so captioned film strips hung on in schools until until the 60s mostly okay. and then and then the 60s you start to see records come in and then and then as cassette became uh, a more commonplace format and cheaper to uh, cheaper to buy players you start to see cassettes come in in the mid 70s and sometimes even the early 70s right and we definitely had non-sound ones when I was in school because there was a weekly like it's basically like a the news of the week that we would get as a film strip. And mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. just came with like a script for the teacher to read because it was there for discussion. So you would. Yep, yeah, I got a bunch of those. Uh, I got a bunch of those in a I went to it's just outside of uh, Pittsburgh, I think, which is about four hours from here. I'm in upstate New York. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> some guy had, I don't know, 500 film strips on wow. Craigslist for 25 bucks. I said, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to take a day, day trip. I have 25 bucks and I can save those. And I got a, and I got a bunch of those. But uh, what happens is a lot of times is uh, those will get separated from the teacher's guide. Yeah. And those were especially bad because they were just sort of random collections of news images. There wasn't even a there wasn't even a narrative to follow. Yeah. You know, like, here's a guy who did a thing, uh, you know, with President Carter or whatever, and um, and the next frame is a picture of, of Carter, and then the next frame is a picture of Carter doing something, and the next frame is the hostages on the plane or whatever. Um, there, was no, there was no narrative. It was just that if the teacher wanted to talk about something going on with the, the Supreme Court, you, you go to frame 27. Yeah. Or something like that. So there's completely. It's basically like today when you you're looking up something on the internet and you come across someone's PowerPoint presentation, but there's no notes attached to it, and you're like, I I don't know what this is about. 
Yeah, except that a lot of PowerPoint presentations are just the the whole thing. The notes are the PowerPoint right. presentation, <laughs> and the presenter just reads the slides. And that's rule number one of PowerPoint. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> now, and that's, the, that's why I hesitate to compare them yeah. to PowerPoint. But, but if you say slideshow, I, I think you lose people who are uh, below a certain age. I hate to say yeah. it. Now, did you have any? Do you have any memories of like favorite slide film strips you watched when you were in school? I I, I don't remember a lot uh, from uh, from back then. I think I was just I was overwhelmed in mm. in school socially and whatnot because I had some problems with um, <clears throat> with anxiety and uh, I think um, I'm pretty sure that I'm on the I'm on the autism spectrum mm -hmm. a little at least a little bit. Um, where now where I'm in my 40s I can kind of manage it and like while we're talking I can sort of I can sort of talk normally but you know you put me back in school at 16 and right. I'm just uh, just barely keeping it together so it's it's a wonder I remember you know basic algebra or whatever whatever they were teaching um I remember the format though mm -hmm. um what really uh, what really brought it back into focus for me and I don't, I don't mean if the, if I'm jumping around in your oh, questions, I apologize. Fine. But the, but the, but the real origin story of all of this was I got into uh, doing tech work, IT work, and I ended up in a uh, in a school district around here taking care of computers and networks and stuff. Um, and it, you know, this was I don't know, 1998 maybe. Mm, okay. Far beyond. You know, I mean, be, people were starting to get rid of their VHS tapes. I mean, yeah. this is way late in the. Um, <clears throat> but what really brought me back into uh, going, oh, I remember this, and this is not only as cool as I remember, but maybe cooler than I remember, um, was well. First of all, Mystery Science Theater three thousand had to happen. Yeah. Before I could put this in in a cultural context, you know, because, because also, you know, I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree. Right. So, uh, so I, maybe I didn't see film strips when I was in middle school or high school or whatever. Maybe I didn't see the potential to see them as like people would watch these ironically, maybe mm. some of them, like mm -hmm. not the, not the Berenstain one that I just <laughs> released. Cause that's adorable. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but a lot of like like the old like the sex education ones or the you know whatever the, like the the social science ones and the the home ec ones the ones where things change where social mores change yeah. every fifteen minutes and things are immediately outdated things that uh, MST3K grabbed onto with short films right. in like sixteen millimeter movies um, educational shorts. I, that had to happen first, I think, and then it clicked in my brain. And then I was working at this school district, and the middle school librarian was this sweet older lady, and she had a lot of computers that I took care of. Um, and, uh, you know, we got to be uh, friends, and I went in there one day to, you know, reboot a bunch of windows 98 machines because that's how you fix them yeah uh or at least that's the first thing you do <laughs> yeah. have you rebooted it yet have you turned it off and turned <laughs> it back on again um that's why i'm a mac guy now but uh <laughs> but <clears throat> i there's this there's this huge wall all right maybe i uh, i don't know 50 60 feet 
wide on the back of the library shelves, floor to ceiling. And it's all film strip uh, wow. media and records and, and whatnot. And she's taking it all down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and she's taking it all down. And I'm like, what are you doing with, uh, with all that stuff? And she's like, oh, we're getting rid of it. Uh, uh, and, and in parallel, I had sort of begun to get into like weird records mm -hmm. and uh, unusual, like the stuff you see on, on, on my channel. Um, and, uh, I had also become interested in, in making music, which is something that I was never really successful at, you know, even going forward. But at the time I thought I was going to be some, uh, like, e like emo nine inch nails type guy where I was going to do this angry stuff about how girls didn't like me or whatever. Um, and I didn't understand why they didn't like me. I do now. Um, but, and I was, it was going to be laden with all these weird, obscure samples mm. from records, weird records and whatnot. And, and at the time I saw film strips and the the associated records and tapes as 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 like oh this is a gold mine because you can take all these like the social science records or how how you should treat other people like it was this totally self-serving emo industrial bs uh -huh. thing where i was going to take you know samples of like well this is how you're supposed to treat people you know this is how right. you're supposed to be nice to people whatnot and lay that into some epic you know horrible music that i was going to write <laughs> <laughs> So, and, you know, as with everything, uh, you know, as with most things, you know, this starts with a self-serving and completely stupid idea. Um, so I so I said, you know, like the film strips at, at this point are, are secondary. But I said, look, can I back my car up to the to the door and you can pretend to throw these in the dumpster, but you can throw them in my car. And she's like, you know, all, you know, all right, I'll yeah. do that. And I went home with it. Wow. Um, and and I ended up because again I'm not I'm not interested. This is you know 23 years ago or whatever. I'm not interested this time in you know film preservation. And uh, I don't understand that no I, I don't understand that nobody is preserving these things at this mm -hmm. point, right? <clears throat> and and I don't understand that it's necessary. And I don't understand how to do it. And I couldn't have done it if I wanted to anyway back then because. You know, I was making minimum wage or whatever, and the, you know, I barely have the equipment to do it now. Yeah. You know, um, I barely have the equipment to, uh, you know, to, to, to paint scratches out of out of bad film and, and, and whatnot. So to try and make this long story less less long, <laughs> I hung on I hung on to those film strips for four or five years, and then I did something that still makes it feel like I, you know, like I, like I have a migraine if I think about it for too long. I said, these are never gonna, you know, I'm never going to be able to do anything with these. And I got rid of them. So, you know, and, and those, oh my God, there were so many good ones. There was one, uh, there was one about, uh, about lice, the oh, head goodness. lice, Yeah. but it was, but it was, it was, uh, it was, it was produced by a company that made lice shampoo. So like total conflict of interest, like yeah, it wasn't yeah. even like a, it wasn't even in a, <clears throat> a, a thing that was in the public interest. It was like, you know. An uh, ad for shampoo. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It was an ad for shampoo, but it was targeted at eight-year-olds or whatever. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, there, there were ones about, uh, 
sexually transmitted diseases. Can I say sexually transmitted you diseases? You can say sexually on, transmitted diseases. On the, on the Bearcast? You okay, can. Because, because I have listened to several episodes of the Bearcast, <laughs> and I think that I am breaking new ground, and I don't want to— I don't want to— yeah, I haven't had much call to discuss sexually transmitted right. diseases. I just I just don't want to get thrown out of Bearcast. <laughs> 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 you got a nice podcast. I don't want to ruin anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and there were, there were so many, you know, goofy, you know, I mean, they called them, they called them venereal diseases back mm -hmm. then. That's how old these were. So the MST3K type content I thought was off the charts, but you know, you couldn't, there, there were so many technical things that I couldn't overcome yeah. back then, but I knew how to, uh, I knew how to digitize audio and I, you know, because I was trying to make music and, and, and so I, I saved recordings of all the audio. So it, I ended up with all this, all these film strip soundtracks that now I can't do anything with. Yeah. And all these films are, are, are thrown away. And I think, I, I think after all this time, I've only ever run across one of them out of the hundreds of, oh yeah, and it's not even all that. Yeah, it's all right. It's, uh, <clears throat> but, but it's, but it's sort of the same thing. It's, I, it's called, uh, care for two baby in you. And I think it's for pregnant teens. Oh, wow. And, and, but it's, but it's, um, it's made by, uh, I want to say Johnson and Johnson Yeah. or, or yeah. Because they make because well, at the time they made Pampers and they made a bunch of things that they would uh, that they would be able to sell if they yeah you know told told a, a struggling teen mom to uh, to go buy them um, but anyway I I had some uh, <clears throat> but but that's that's sort of the origin story so yeah. I I got into uh, I got into it so like i said mst3k had to happen for me to understand and and there were some there were some moments like uh when they were throwing out the film strips they were also throwing out film strip projectors and whatnot oh, wow. so i got with the av guy and i said can i have some of these yeah, right yeah. and and I, and i do remember that there were some uh there were some very fun nights where i got together with some friends and we had film strip night <laughs> you know <laughs> where we ran through all the vd ones and all the sex ed ones and all the horribly out of out of date ones and that is that um, i have never heard of film strip parties but now i <laughs> well not, not, i think i well i by I think I invented them. Yeah, but, I think you did. I think you. I think you invented and, and saw them through to the end. Uh, but then, but then, yeah. But it's like you need to invent. I mean, if you're going to invent something, you have to invent something where everybody has the ability to do it. Yeah. And I, only twenty some odd years later, I am providing like on YouTube the ability for other people to have film strip <laughs> have parties. Film strip night. But yeah, but but we would just howl with laughter because you know, and, and obviously we're we're developmentally delayed early 20 something mm -hmm. people and and we think it's funny you know to to go look at that look at that guy look at that teenage kid in the sex ed film strip from you know filmed in right. 1973 with his shirt unbuttoned all the way down to here and the gold chain and it's funny to look at that and go what's he doing in a sex ed film strip because looking like that he's never gonna <laughs> Well, the, the 70s were a different time. So yeah, he's never going to get deep in bear country. You know what I mean? <laughs> so for me personally, I have a, I have memories of watching film strips. Uh, the two that stuck in my mind were 
uh, in music class every year around Halloween, we would watch mm-hmm. a Dolls Macabre film strip mm. uh, that you can actually find. I found on YouTube from other people. Oh, okay. I think it was really popular, like in elementary schools. And it was right. just Camille Saison's Dolls Macabre and these right. paintings of horrifying skeletons dancing in a graveyard that was so scary to me as a kid that I would cover right. my eyes when we'd watch nice. it in class. And oh, that's great. We also would watch periodically. The entire it was it's it was obviously edited down, but it was the entirety of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the movie, yep. the Gene Wilder film mm-hmm. in film strip form that I never saw as an actual movie until like fifth grade. I only saw yep. the film strip, and it was just you would watch the like, frame by frame. Yep. There's Gene Wilder, and there's the kids, and I didn't even <clears throat> know you could watch the moving picture version of it until I got older, like. <laughs> It was it was it was a treat. We would just watch watch this story uh, cut I have down. A, yeah, yeah. I have a guy who uh, I have a guy who has a copy of. Um, he sent me some stuff, but he refuses to send me. I'm working on him, but he refuses to send me uh, his film strip adaptation of The Wizard of Oz. Oh wow! But he but he has he has one. Um, <clears throat> there is a uh, there's a film strip on my on my channel. He sent me. Uh, it's actually a two-parter, so it's two videos of the 1960-something, I forget the date now, but the 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 very famous uh, Romeo and Juliet movie from the 60s. Oh, Zeffirelli's film. Zeffirelli's film, that's wow. right. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's in two parts because it because each one is like 18 minutes long. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, and that was probably the other one that I spent a long time painting scratches out of. Yeah. Um, because he was so excited about, about that. And he also sent me, um, I'm going to forget, but it, but it was a a Vincent Price movie. Okay. Um, and I did it for last, uh, last Halloween. I will remember at some point during this, during this interview and I will just, I will just blurt it out probably. But there was a company who was, who was doing, um, 16 millimeter movie adaptations of these films. So you'd, You'd cut it down. What you, what you'd call pan and scan, mm-hmm. or this this uh, this movie has been modified for from yes. its original version. It's been formatted to fit your TV. Um, they do that for sixteen millimeter movie frame, which is more square than right. than your uh, theatrical movie frame. And then they'd rent them to school districts mm-hmm. who'd want to. Uh, show them but then they would also from that 16 millimeter print they would make film strip versions and then you could buy them for a couple hundred bucks that makes sense a piece yeah they're yeah, called that, movie I mean, strips going going uh going all the way into the 90s because in college we watched uh toy story in our in our student union building on 16 millimeter uh, oh, wow. they were still providing them to to schools so oh, wow. <laughs> somewhere out there is a 16 millimeter print of toy story that i probably saw um, yeah so, somebody needs to preserve <laughs> that too yeah. i mean this isn't just uh you know anything like that you've got to because that's weird that's why it just it's yeah. gonna go away well, yeah let's, let's transition into these uh into these children's books and children's book author interviews uh right. this this world so we can segue into the Berenstains because this too was like a was like a niche of the niche which was right author children's author interviews that were produced for film strip uh mm-hmm. that would sort of go along with then film strip renditions of children's books that were produced for the film strip these were like special special things right yeah 
I have I I have very little information about this, yeah. sadly. And 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 that's a big thing too, because Filmstrip has been so forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um and and the reason why I tell you about the 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 origin story, quote unquote, of me finding these film strips in you know nineteen ninety-eight or so, somewhere around there, is that nineteen ninety-eight was already too late to start preserving film strips. So, yeah. you know, me picking this up in 2019 or 2018 or whenever I started doing it is super too late. Right. Um, but I I had expected that somebody would pick it up in that time and nobody really did. Um, so, you know, we got to do what we got to do. So I have very little information about why any of this happened. Um, I was hoping <laughs> that that uh, Mike or, or Eleanor would know um, something about it. I'm not, I'm not upset that they don't, obviously, but um, but Random House obviously is a huge or was a huge force with with all these uh, children's books, and they did a ton of film strips. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what the what the what the purpose of them really was, because film strip to me was you needed to something to a, a class of kids that had a visual component, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so you used film strip as a, as a learning tool. I, I don't understand how like a film strip adaptation of the bike lesson or the bear scouts, or even, you know, Bartholomew, Bartholomew and the Ublek, uh, by Dr. Seuss, which I also have, uh, I also need to, uh, do a, a video on, uh, is is an educational thing with a visual component you know so yeah. there was some subset because nobody watched film strips at home right and i don't remember anybody watching film strips for entertainment so i don't understand like um or in in july this past july i did a film strip adaptation and it's on my channel of um good night moon the mm-hmm. book good night moon i was like well i i it's beautiful. Yeah, they they use all the it it's 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 in the same vein as the as the as the uh, Berenstain uh, Bears books adaptation um, with all the original artwork by Clement Hurd, um, and it's just beautifully done. But I don't understand. I still don't understand who would watch this and when and for what reason. Right, because that's a book you, you read to children at night. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I cannot imagine a three-year-old with a film strip projector by their, <laughs> right. by their bed, <laughs> right? right? It, I mean, especially an automatic advanced one that's going to go. Ka-chunk, 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 it's funny because and wake them up, right? You, you, I don't you, get it. You bring that up, and it never occurred to me to find right. this unusual. Like, right? I, I guess because like seventies. The, the 70s, early 80s, there were all these new technologies kind of jostling for position. And I'm wondering how much of this was like uh, the, the, the technology producers themselves meeting with the publishers and being like, we're trying to maintain relevancy. You're trying to get your books into the hands of kids. We're in schools. Let's join forces and find a way to entertain kids, but also like promote our product and keep yeah. ourselves in the classroom. So like... The Ramona and her father book, uh, right? You, that I, I believe you have on your site. Yep. Yep. Like that was produced, and they like made a fully dramatized version of the book with actors, with direction, with mm-hmm. uh, with scripting, and then they mm-hmm. produced new illustrations for the film strips so right. that kids could sit in class 
and just watch an, a dramatization of this book they might be familiar with. And I appreciate yeah. it as yeah. someone who had a Ramona and a Beverly Cleary podcast. But yeah, yeah like who I, other than entertainment, it was just there you go. It's vaguely related to something in your childhood. Yeah, like where where do I sign up for this school where I just get to watch enter, you know entertainment? Like I had to learn stuff. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess don't. it was that thing of like if you were good all week on Friday, maybe we yeah, maybe. here's here's something. Does the teachers the teachers trying to grade papers? We gotta have something. Choose a kid to turn the knob and. <laughs> yeah, it could. It could. It, I mean, it could be that. Um, uh, I, I vaguely remember in 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 middle school and, and high school, maybe right at the end of the year, like if you got finished with the lesson plan a day or two early, mm-hmm. they'd wheel in a, a VCR or something and put on a movie just to pacify kids because they had to be there. But it doesn't seem like, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's confusing. And and I guess, I guess, you know, I'm glad we're talking about it because it, it illustrates that there there are still so many gaps. Mm-hmm. I can I can preserve this stuff and I can put it on YouTube and people can enjoy it, and and that's wonderful. You know, I'll I'll that's fine with me if that's as far as it goes, right? But but there are still so many gaps that that we need filled that I don't. You know, I'm, yeah, I, I would love to know. I, I because... tried. I tried to find the director of this. I tried yeah. to find her. And I tried to find the photographer. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, she had been working for Random House since like the fifties, and I couldn't right. find. I, I she may not even be alive, and right. I couldn't. The the photographer whose name I can't recall uh, had a common mm-hmm. enough name that I was like, I don't know which of these guys mm-hmm. this is, and this isn't like on your online resume that you took pictures of the Berenstains in 1981. Right. And and that guy probably took pictures of everybody. Yeah. He, he was probably anytime they needed, he was, there was probably a little film strip unit and they went around and he took pictures of, of everybody. And he probably wasn't, uh, you can, t- there, there are some, I, uh, I'm not here to be critical. Um, <laughs> but you know, there are some, you, you look at that film strip and they're like, okay, well, you know, he didn't, he didn't adjust his white balance for indoor outdoor. The outdoor shots look properly balanced, and some of the indoor shots look too blue. And then there's and then there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of you know what I would call B roll of of books. Yeah. And all of the shots except one, he's not using flash. And then the last one, he's using flash, and he didn't recolor re white balance <laughs> for the flash, so it looks green. And and so I'm I'm gonna say that. You know, maybe he was just that was like his first photography job, and then he moved on to something else. So, so it's not, you know, they weren't using, you know, uh, what do I want to say? You know, they weren't pulling a photographer out who was working for, you know, Getty Images or, <laughs> right. or it, yeah. what do I want to say? You know, this, this wasn't going to be on his Pulitzer. <clears throat> Like yeah, film strip was a budget format. Yeah. Okay. Um. The even the most uh, expensive film strips were only a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Uh. To to buy, and I mean, I I know that's a couple hundred bucks in nineteen eighty two dollars or nineteen seventy six dollars or whatever, but still only a couple hundred bucks as opposed to the sixteen millimeter films, which could be many times more expensive yeah. than that. Um, so they were um, they were budgeted accordingly. Well, for all of its their budget limitations and shortfalls, uh, the Baron Meet the Berenstains, which is the yep. one that that you preserved and just and just recently just released, mm-hmm. uh, is 
not only above and beyond what it needed to be, it yeah. is, it captures something, uh, it captures a moment in time so beautifully that to me, it's a vital piece of Berenstain Bears history. It's, yeah. uh, it's an interview with Stan and Jan in studio that doesn't just cover the books. It covers their like courtship, their yeah. their young adulthood, their family life, and how they work together. It is it's an amazing piece of pop cultural ephemera. Yeah, and and it is you know like you said it's 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 better than you know I look at film strip as as sort of like I said I I lean a lot on that mystery science theater three thousand you know, connection, a lot of this stuff, a lot of my interest in, in film strip is, is the worse it is, the better, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for, uh, a terrible photography. I'm looking for logical fallacies. I'm looking for, uh, bad voiceovers, things to make fun of. Um, I love it when I hear something fall over in the background, Of, of, a, of a voice of a narration right just stuff like that that's that's the kind of stuff that that uh makes me giggle and maybe i'm just simple but <laughs> um i don't i don't know anymore but uh but it, but also i i i hope that i'm a good enough person to see you know to 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 see when when i run across a film strip like this to go wow you know this is this is unusually good and and it's adorable and uh, and it's charming and and also understand that it's not uh, you know that that random house and and miller brody productions the the company that made it for random house random house of the distributor um they just set out to just make a a normal budget film strip and mm-hmm. it's really it's really the the endearing sort of personalities and chemistry of jan and stan berenstain um, that put this thing over the top. Yeah, they uh, they shine through as as characters in their own story in a way I wasn't expecting. It's not it's not the dry author interview that you would expect from a children's. Right. Like we're going to be here, we're going to talk to you. The kids want. I just want we must just tell the kids about how you work together. It's <laughs> playful. It's yeah. It's conversational. You get to see them like talk about how they met, what what mm-hmm. attracted them to each other. It's it shows a lot of their early artwork. I've seen a lot of that early artwork. Uh, it, I, I got I was I talk about this a lot, but I was right. blessed to be allowed to to visit their studio and their and their their archives and yeah, and it's something that they're that they were always proud of. Like we came from this fine art background and we used that fine art background uh putting we put it forward into the our work and we took our work very seriously as illustrators right. and as a couple and not only were they proud of their artwork they were proud of the fact that they were a husband and wife who were who were equal partners in this endeavor and i think that really comes through in the film strip they're like you can be you people work as partners in in teams in offices all the time why shouldn't we right. be a, a team as as a couple and i just i find that that in 1982, kids were sitting in their schoolrooms and being told about this revolutionary artistic partnership, it, 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 which, which didn't have to be covered in a film strip. I have one or two other uh, somewhere, and I've, I think I've scanned them, um, and I, I've certainly heard the audio um, hmm. where they've done other um, interviews with other authors, and they did not stand out. Uh, to me as anything 
interesting or mm-hmm. special. I'm sure that if I was a fan of the of the author, uh, that they would be. Um, but just so everybody understands, I had no connection, uh, no emotional connection at all to uh, the Berenstains or the Bears or yeah. any of the work um, <clears throat> prior to. Th- I didn't grow up with the. You know, my mom was kind of pop culture averse Mm -hmm. i mean you know the the big stuff you know she had to accept that star wars was a thing you know she had to accept that later on that you know back to the future was a thing or ghostbusters or whatever but but i think i started reading early like Mm -hmm. i was reading on my own by the time i was four maybe yeah um so having to be read things like uh like the um I forget what you call them, but the early uh, books that you're the Berenstain books that you're supposed yeah. to read to your kids. I, I, I guess I moved past that quick, you know, before she, she didn't. And, and I mean, she was, she was Catholic. So if that connection, if that, you know, if those Sonder, Sonder kids books had been there, uh, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. she would have, uh, but, but, it, but it wasn't, and that's fine. But I didn't, I didn't grow up with these books, so I just, you know, it was more of a business decision, mm-hmm. more of a, more, and I, and, and there are people who are going to say, oh, well, he's, you know, he, he's soulless, you know, but I, I looked at these because these were donated to me by, by a viewer, yeah. um, the bike lesson, and I actually have two, um, uh, uh, book adaptations I haven't done yet for Bear Scouts and Bear's Picnic, wow. um, and meet, uh, uh, meets Berenstain. When I saw these, I, you know, I said to myself, I should do these because this is a hot property and mm-hmm. people know what this is. And like the Goodnight Moon film strip, which sort of blew up in, in yeah. July, and I got a lot of um, more traffic than usual. Um, I, you know, I said to myself, this is something that I probably ought to do and quick uh, because people will know what this is. And, be, and it will resonate with, yeah. you know, the, the channel isn't big enough where I can, you know, where I'm saying from a, from a standpoint of, you know, oh, this is going to rake in the, right. rake in the cash, you know, there's no cash being raked in, trust me. <laughs> um, but, but from a, from a standpoint of, you know, maybe this will get more people in front of the project and hopefully more people will remember what film strips are or will learn what film strips are and maybe get interested in what I do. Yeah, unfortunately, someone tagged you on Twitter and tagged me on Twitter uh, <laughs> just because. If, oh, for, that for, was for that was few, quite a morning. <laughs> for the few people who know who I am, I think it was it was actually within the context, I think, of the best of next door. Yeah. Twitter had re every few every year or so she retweets that same uh, post that I did on next door about my podcast and it gets a lot of strange well, traffic. Well, make sure you send her a copy, a copy of this because whoever she is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thank you. And, and, uh, your deity of choice bless you because, yeah. uh, you have to say it that way nowadays, but, um, but seriously, yeah, somebody did tweet in because I had just done an unboxing video yeah. where, I had gotten these film strips uh, donated, and uh, I I did note at the time that this Meet the Berenstains film strip might be something interesting, mm. because book adaptations are book adaptations. I've got a hundred of them here, um, and not. I mean, you know, like the Good Night Moon one I recognized was a very, very popular one. And I said, I'm going to do yeah. that. A lot of them not so popular. I have some Dr. Seuss I need to get to. Um, 
maybe not anymore but, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, but 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 like i said you know it, it's like the home ec stuff and the and the and maybe even old history now where yeah. people go oh that's not how it is anymore and cultural anachronism uh right sort of sort of thing but you, you sort of have to let the fires uh, uh die down um so it's a balancing act especially recently yeah um so it so uh so i looked at this and i said oh that's that might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't hear the tape yet. I didn't know if it was going to be charming. I didn't know if it was going to be stupid. I didn't know anything about it, anything at all. And and so that best of next door thing, which if people don't know, and I'm sure everybody who you know, but but it, you know, it's basically they 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 show a screenshot of a of a next door post that you made that said, you know, basically, hi, my name is Phil. I just moved to uh, Mil. Um, uh, uh, it was when I first moved, uh, moved to the Minneapolis, Minneapolis. neighborhood. Yeah, I always mean Milwaukee and Minneapolis. Oh. Always get confused <laughs> in my brain. I'm sorry. Very but different. I, ju- yes, very different. <laughs> I, uh, I I just moved to uh, Minneapolis. I live r- right here, and I have a uh, I, I do a Berenstain Bears podcast. Like, does that make you uncomfortable? No, how does that make you? <laughs> feel? Or how does that make you feel? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so somebody tweet a, a viewer of mine tweeted that into my uh, timeline and said. Uh, said uh, uncommon. You should talk to uh, Uncommon Ephemera. Yeah. Um. I he has uh, Berenstain Bears film strips, and so I mean, it was shaping up to be a perfectly normal Thursday at you know <laughs> eight thirty four my time, <laughs> and by nine o'clock, you and I were talking back and forth on on Twitter. Yep. And and it just it, oh my god it all happened so fast um, because we started talking and then and then you're like and then you're like at Bradley Mariska mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me about tell me about film strips yep <laughs> so, I so like, hey Brad sudden, do you have any of these film strips <laughs> yeah and it turns out he has a film strip I don't have so mm-hmm. now I'm trying to get that off of him but uh, I don't know um, and then and then. Yeah, I was I was telling uh, I was telling a couple of our our good friends about all this uh, a while ago, and I was like, and and then he tells me about uh, about about eleven thirty that he's going to be interviewing the uh, the office manager and social media person yeah. for Berenstain Publishing that afternoon, and he's going to talk. And I said, I said I, I've been sitting at my computer for two and a half hours, right, talking to this guy. I've, I've I just just quote unquote met on Twitter. I haven't even had breakfast yet, right? It's eleven, it's eleven forty five, and now I'm deep in bear country. You sure are. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, so it all happened so fast, and and by two forty five, I got an email in my. Uh, Hi, my name is Eleanor, and I'm I'm uh, the office manager for uh, Berenstain Publishing, and I just watched your unboxing video, and I'm like, oh god, because <laughs> you have to understand at this point, I've got like 2,200 uh, YouTube subscribers mm-hmm. and eight Patreon supporters, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I'm going broke. Um, you know, not not that this is a, um, even a get rich slow scheme. Right. You know, <laughs> it's not that's not what this is about. Um, although, you know. It, it, you know, it, what I can do is directly proportional, of course. Um, but it, but to me, the, the, the project seems so small time, you know, hmm. because I watch people, you know, I watch YouTubers all the time and their Patreon credits scroll for like 
Oh, you know, it's like me. a Star Wars it. film. <laughs> it's like a Star Wars film. It goes on and on. It's like the Ten Commandments. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you know, they've got they've they've got a, a third unit best boy grip. Right. Goes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what the hell is going on? Um, but uh, but yeah. So I, you know, I'm way too small time uh, to to go from from oh this might be an interesting film strip to hi my name is Eleanor and I'm you know. But she was so nice about it, and I'm like, and and then she says, uh, Mike's never seen that, mm-hmm. and he would be he he would like to know if you're planning on uploading that to your channel. I'm like, well, I am now, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know, you, you kind of got to fake it to make it a little bit, but you know, being Definitely. a little being a little miswired developmentally, I that I have never been good at that, mm-hmm. so. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, that's, I definitely got that on the calendar, you know? No, as someone, <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking as someone who has, who has personally, I have extreme anxiety about contacting people I don't know and yeah. got into a project where that's like what I have to do in order to, right. to interview people. The first time I ever contacted Mike, I tend to think like, oh, he's a famous children's book writer. He probably sits in an ivory tower somewhere looking down on all the plebes below. He would never deign to talk to me. Turns out when someone does something they love, they love to talk about it. And that's something that I have discovered time and again is that when I had my Beverly Cleary podcast and we were like, I wonder if the producers of the 1980s like Canadian TV series of Ramona would be interested in talking to us. Turns out they were thrilled to talk to us because people love talking about what they love. And so when, when you and I started going back and forth and I was like, I have to talk to this guy. I have to know why he started preserving film strips because that's entirely my niche. My, my whole, the whole reason I started doing this was because I wanted to just talk about the Berenstain Bears as if they were something worth talking about. And right. and when you start when you talk about something as if it's valuable, you discover that for a lot of people it really is valuable. And yeah. that there are at least a few people out there who appreciate the fact that you're doing this, that you're taking your time out of your day not to make money, but to say this is an important thing to preserve. And and look, I was sitting, you know, I remember in like 1993 or 1994 sitting in a basement computer lab in a community college, you know, um, you know, before I was, you know, too autistic to to handle it or, or you know, or things got, you know, over too overwhelming. But sitting there on one of those little amber terminals when the Internet was still all text based. Yeah. And I was and I was. <clears throat> And I was going, this is amazing because every little group, every little niche group that has uh, that has an interest can finally find everybody mm-hmm. and, and they can get together and talk about their thing and everybody's going to be happy. And then, you know, I'm not totally against uh, businesses being involved in things, right. but it got to where businesses, you know, got involved. And now, you know, if you're, you know. Yeah, you know, you're, if you're on Facebook or whatever, you're the product, right? You know, <clears throat> nothing is free, and and so on. Um, so there's a balance that needs mm-hmm. to be struck, and I don't know if that balance is is balanced right now, or or has been for twenty, thirty years. Right. But uh, but you know, it even if even if I don't uh, 
even if this is as far as I go down the Berenstain hole, and I've done it, you know, this has sort of been a, a deep dive, you know, I've been, yeah. you know, have your podcast on and I'm, I'm trying to uh, get in, you know, I'm trying to learn the history so that I can, so that I can talk uh, semi-intelligently to people about what I'm, what I'm doing and uh, learning very suddenly and uncomfortably that I have to beat off the Mandela people with a stick <laughs> oh, boy. on social media. They crawl out of the woodwork. Oh man. Oh man. I saw one of your I... posts on Reddit and uh, you were just like, don't come at me with that Mandela stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they came at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? How they, how they, they're mad at Mike Berenstain for doing the, the Zonder kids mm -hmm. books because they believe that, uh, that, uh, religion is bad because it involves uh, believing in uh, like irrational things and imaginary beings and supernatural events. But they also believe uh, that sometime between the 70s and now, <laughs> aliens landed on the planet, wiped our minds, and changed all the books from Bearstein to Berenstain with space lasers and left. So... <laughs> You know, I'm. I mean, when you put it that way, right? I'm not. You know, I, this isn't. You know, not my circus, not my monkeys, but, <laughs> but, but that stands out to me. Yeah, a little, just a little. Um, <clears throat> what was I talking about? I don't, I don't know, but I, no, I but, yeah, I will say that uh, it is to me. It is very important that people uh, take a look at this video for themselves. Yeah. Um, so where can my listeners find your work? Um, the simplest thing to do is just go to YouTube and search Uncommon Ephemera. Yeah. Um, I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have picked a name for the project that was easier to spell. Um, but Uncommon, I think, and then E-P-H-E-R, if it, no, if it, E-P-H, just yeah ephemera just, it'll correct ephemera. your spelling <laughs> yeah it'll correct your spelling i i can't even spell it without and of course there's e there's links e there to your uh, e r e m a. a right okay yeah and there's I had, links I had there to, to your uh, to your twitter and to your uh, to your patreon uh, mm -hmm. where you're you're looking and you're always on the lookout for new film strips and yeah that's yeah that's the thing and and let me just say real quick um <clears throat> again about call about calling people um like you said it is easy to call it it, it you know once you get past the anxiety mm -hmm. it's easy to call somebody and uh and and talk to them about something they love right mm -hmm. it what's not as easy is calling people who might have film strips in a closet somewhere that they've forgotten about yeah that they don't love and trying to get them to mail them to you um and i desperately need help with that because i will save these things yeah. you know uh, you know the i i am i am atoning at the moment for the uh the film strips lost in that origin story mm -hmm. i've got hundreds and hundreds here and i am scanning them and i am restoring some of them on my youtube channel i am trying to put uh, all of them up on the internet archive someday archive.org or whatever you call it and i have just because i have so many i am starting to put up on my patreon 
what I call first drafts, mm -hmm. which are just like if you've ever seen, I hate to put it this way, but it's the quickest way. If you've ever seen when other people put film strips on YouTube, they just sort of scan it and however it looks, yeah. they put it up and then it switches to the next image without any sort of transition or it doesn't look nice. It just goes bam to the next image. That's what I, that's, I'm making first drafts like that of yeah. most of the film strips. So at least people can see them and they don't languish in this because it takes a long time to put together one of those like i like i did with meet the berenstains um so i'm just trying to get them all at least in that format right now but but these things need to be saved a lot of the film that they're on is um is not the best film in the world and it is now chemically breaking down yeah and once the binder chemicals break down it just turns to goo and the and the images are lost and everything yeah so <clears throat> If you go to uh, if you go to YouTube and search Uncommon Ephemera, you will find my channel. And in the video description of practically every video I've released in the last two or three years, there will be links to uh, Twitter, my Reddit. Uh, I'm on Instagram now, um, Patreon, Venmo. However, you know, however you can support me. Uh, even if you just want to support me with a subscribe and a like and uh, and a follow. Uh, but definitely if you have anything in terms of film strips or weird records, weird cassettes, yeah, I, I try and do it all, get them to me. I will, uh, I will do my best to preserve them. And, uh, <clears throat> and hopefully we can talk again, maybe when the, uh, when I can get the, uh, uh, the bear scouts and the, uh, and the bears picnic, uh, ones redone. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Anytime, yes. man. Now, of course, I couldn't leave well enough alone, and I had to make this episode even longer. So I contacted Brad and Jeremy, my two collector guys, to come on the show and just chat for a little bit about Meet the Berenstains, the film strip. Uh, and so here's that bonus conversation, just because life is short, and why not talk to more people? Enjoy. I'm going to close my browser. The recording is in progress. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm so ready for this. Man, I know we're pressed for time, so I would sing the slow Marilyn Monroe happy birthday. Sexy. Oh, <laughs> are you, 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 we have time for that. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> no, I think we're pressed for time. I'm, I think... I'm, I'm here for that. Happy birthday to you. Yay. Happy birthday, though. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you Happy so birthday. much. That's right. This is a special. Not only are we recording on Halloween, we are recording on the birthday of Mr. Brad Mariska. Well, the world's thanks. number one Berenstein Bear collector in the whole world. Yeah. And this is a special uh this is a special part because this is this this is going to be part of the uncommon ephemera episode. Uh I decided that I needed to have uh my two guys on to talk oh. about this incredible Berenstain Bears artifact. It's uh, outstanding. It really it is. is. It's breathtaking. It 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 was it was sort of just missing, like just no one really knew about it, like not even Mike knew about it. Well, and I think that's what's really special about it is that it appears as though like all of the interviews and photographs that were taken to create this sort of um, biographical film strip was all original. Mm -hmm. They they went out and uh, did 
um, you know, in-person interviews, and it's it's just at a, such a higher level. Even the musical accompaniment uh, that goes along with this film strip is is very sophisticated, and the whole thing feels very professional. Most film strips, when you rewatch them as an adult, just feel cheap and tacky and like they were thrown together uh real quick lowest sort of common denominator and there's some real authentic quality to this yeah he has on his on his site he has and i was watching some of it today he has a film strip adaptation of franco zeffirelli's romeo and juliet which is the most boring thing i've ever tried to watch Uh, (laughs) just static shots of people like and then, like, just oh. the soundtrack of Zeffirelli's Romeo and like the dialogue just playing over these static shots is a nightmare. So, is he the only person in the world that kind of taking on preserving this lost medium? He is the only one in the world who is. There's there's several different YouTubers and people who are like just sort of uploading these things to YouTube. He's the only person who is actually restoring them, like cleaning up the image and presenting them in a way that replicates the feel of a film strip with like the rolling image and the rounded edges. So it's not just, you're not just watching a slideshow. He's like showing you what it was like to watch these things uh, in a classroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jeremy, I, you you just recently watched this. Yes. Yeah. What, 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 were, you, what were you expecting? I, I honestly didn't do much backstory. So yeah. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, when I watched it, it really took me back to like 1981, 1982. I'm sitting in my classroom, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Foster's class. And, you know, they're showing film strips, even down to the music. Like it was better music than a lot of other ones. But it, <laughs> it just gave me that warm feeling of nostalgia that can only be captured by something like this. Like there's something to be said for the simplicity of it. And mm-hmm. I just love the shots of showing all the books that were out at that point. I almost feel that there's something to be said for there not being like, Eight million books at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, because this thing came out like at the beginning of the first time readers, like near the near like the sort of the. It was a few years in, but there was you know. Yeah, there, I think the most recent book or the latest published book that shows up in the film strip is the Berenstain Bears and the Sitter. Yeah, which which would have been what like nineteen eighty four. I don't okay. know what the copyright of this film strip was, but it had to be right around that time. Yeah, I believe yeah. this one was made at a. I be, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this wrong. I think it was made in like '82 or '83. Okay. We, yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, it's, Sitter, Sitter is one of the first four or five, wasn't it? Yeah, Sitter is like number four. So it, maybe the Sitter is from like 1982. I don't know all yeah. the dates. This one came. Um, this the strip came out in '82. So uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Wow. You had the new baby, cool. the moving day. Goes mm-hmm. to camp and then the city sitter, right? right. Um, it's totally I thought, off the top of my head. I thought doctor or dentist came before oh, the right. sitter. Yeah, but definitely in the first five or six. But I, I, I'm with you, Jeremy. Like this, watching these film strips and and also just the the fantastic de- degree to which he's preserving them, um, so that they maintain that look and feel of a, of a film strip. Uh, just brought such nostalgia to me. I was transported back to um, first and second grade, uh, which for me would have been about, um, you know, 1985, 1986. And um, 
I was remembering not only watching film strips in class, but also um, what I especially remember was going into the um, the library or the mm. elementary oh. media center in our elementary school. And they had these study carols and they had these little miniature like film strip machines. And you could you could go up to the librarian and check out a film strip um, to play. Yeah, to play. <laughs> we in did the not little... have that. We had this. <laughs> and so luxury. I remember sitting in these little <laughs> study carols in our elementary library and watching film strips like these and, and you know, like just waiting for the beep to 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 advance the little film strip and, um, you know, seeing these books kind of come alive. And um, man, it was it's super nostalgic. And I, I'm so glad that they're being preserved and restored. Now, how about, though, the fact that this is like for a children's like, I don't know, like, hey, kids, for the next 15 minutes, we're going to watch a little thing on Stan and Jan Berenstain, who wrote these Berenstain Bears books. You like, And then you get this pretty intimate portrait of their relationship. Like it's mm -hmm. it's mostly about how Stan and Jan met and fell in love and how they collaborate as a couple. I was I was like, I don't think I, I think that like there's stuff in that film strip that's not even in their autobiography. Like the picture of Stan with his shirt off. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the fact that 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 Jan was a, a riveter during World yeah. War II. There's there's some of this information that you know I've read biographies of them and I've read their autobiography, mm -hmm. and there were these really nice little nuances um, about their history and growing up together. But also, I felt like Jan did a really nice job of explaining their creative process, how they kind of take turns. Like mm -hmm. Stan yep. is the one who sort of sketches out the book initially, but then they just sort of take turns um, with writing the story or or finishing the art. And um, it was just, it was so fun to like kind of go behind the scenes and see them in their studio and talking and sort of like bantering back and forth. It was, it was really cool. What about the retro picture of Michael from 1982? That's an amazing picture of with the, Mike. With the shaggy brown hair. That was so I cool. love it so much. <laughs> uh, he, he said, uh, when I wrote to them about, when I wrote to him about, uh, about his thoughts on this, I didn't, he didn't have much to say, but, uh, but Eleanor said that that picture was, he didn't even know that picture was given to them because it was just a picture that the, that Stan and Jan had around the house, I guess. And they were like, here's a picture of, of Mike. Um, so cool. It is cool. And well, and speaking of being like around the house, it feels it was such a personal and intimate um, film strip because I love when they, they go around the house and they show the different art that's on the wall. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's one of those things that would never come up if you um, did a sit down interview with someone or did a phone interview or you did a more commercial biography. I mean, it, it kind of felt like. 60 minutes went in and did an interview with Stan and Jan and like, like dug deeper. And yeah. it just, it felt, it felt very personal and, and um, it just, I got the warm fuzzies. Now I do have a question. Uh, do you know if this is an actual uh, piece of, of merchandise from the Berenstain Bears? Here we go. This pillow next to uh, Stan and Jan in this image, or is that something you think they made themselves? Can you see it? I've never seen that before. I also have never seen that before. Uh -uh. So it's this pillow on their couch of of Mama and Papa Bear. <laughs> it looks like it was cross stitched, or I don't know yeah. what. But uh, so I would say this is probably the most valuable piece of Berenstain Bears ephemera. Then is this? Hey, Brad, maybe that's that pillowcase and pillow sham kit that neither of us have. It it, it could be um, because I've never actually seen a picture of it. I've only seen a description of it. Um, but I also love that you can see also in that picture is um, 
one of the LPs yeah. of them having read some of their early beginner books. Yeah. And um, that's super classic. And it's uh, the picnic yeah, one, right? The picnic one, yep. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so there's just so much in this film strip that is unrelated to the Berenstain Bears. Uh, we, we even get a couple of shots of Mike's like surgical drawings from the war. Uh, I mean, not Mike's, uh, sorry, Stan's surgical drawings from the war. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of pictures of like just like guys in the army. It takes you through like the like the Collier's years up through them creating. It does not mention Dr. Seuss, I no. noticed, which you think would be I... a selling point for kids. <laughs> Yeah, I do appreciate the fact that they talk about the Collier's magazine mm -hmm. and because I love their illustrations for Collier's and yeah. their, their covers, um, like the Saturday afternoon uh, matinee and the playground one. Yeah. And I've never really seen anybody else like talk about them or, or show an interest in them mm -hmm. aside from the fact that, oh, they're cute and Stan and Jan, who became famous for the Berenstain Bears, did this prior to but i thought it was really cool that they talked about how that was important for them and that was their first sort of national exposure um to their art that most people first experienced their drawings and cartoons through those magazine covers uh, again it's a niche interest uh we just happen to be in on the niche uh how about the section in this where you see stan doing all the faces and the cartoon bears that go along with them. So it's like awesome. an yeah. angry bear, a happy bear, a smug faced <laughs> bear. I'm like, talk about there's there's Stan Berenstain at his hammiest. Like it was precious. And we've heard stories about how Stan was kind of um, wanted to be sort of a performer or an entertainer. And he always had these great ideas of like mm -hmm. doing a, a radio show or having a TV show. And, you know, maybe he wanted to be featured in it. And I felt like that was his opportunity to sort of indulge uh, his desire to be a little bit of a performer himself. Right. And um, I, I loved those slides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, the, the director of this, this, this film strip like the, the woman who directed it who directed a bunch of these uh i i looked her up and she had directed like she did like the beverly cleary one she did a bunch of other authors uh i i and and don't think i did not try to find the director and the photographer like to see if they were still alive and still oh like, wow no um, luck no luck uh she was like she worked for random house i believe like back in like the 50s uh and had already been like doing stuff so margaret albrecht is her name the director and the editor of this and oh, uh, wow. so i wouldn't be surprised to you know if she was no longer with us the photographer had such a common name and i'm trying to find it the musician was peter fish if you're looking for more of his work i guess okay Tom, tom mcdonough was the photographer and so if he's still doing this kind of work i mean he could be in and, and tom mcdonough is a fairly common name uh and i had trouble like just figuring trying to figure out who this guy might be i found some tom mcdonough's who do photography uh and some on the east coast but i was like i'm not just gonna be like did you ever go to stan and jam berenstain's house oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, think though. I i mean i want to i'd i'd be curious to see you know because anytime you see something like this my mind immediately goes to, okay, I want to see the archive of all of the photographs they didn't use yeah, right. and all of the interviews that they didn't include. Because again, this was a pretty elaborate 
production Mm -hmm. so you know that they they spent quite a bit of time there and there's probably hundreds of photographs and um lots of recording and and probably they don't exist anymore but you you just you just never know you never know what might be sitting in someone's basement yeah it's true well if you're interested there is a uh tom mcdonough uh who's like on the faculty at harvard so (laughs) professor of art film and visual studies i don't know that's like that's the one i was like maybe he got his start shooting pictures of stan and jan berenstein <laughs> i bet it is him <laughs> i have no idea I'm, i i'm if anyone if anyone out there wants to find tom mcdonough i would i would welcome welcome the connection uh uh just to find out if this is the same if this is the guy because yeah you're right like my injuries was like hey do you have any more of these like pictures of the berenstains like kicking around like in your closet right. or something more. something i was thinking though because the way the media is now everything is very fast cuts and very fast paced mm-hmm. and there's there's something to be said for just having to live with these images for five to ten seconds and just really absorbing them yeah and it's just the way we experienced education and in uh media when we were growing up it just made I, it makes me more observational than maybe a young kid these days i mean brad you're, you're a teacher yeah. do you mm-hmm. see a difference in students than our generation and the way people Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, all humans, but Mm -hmm. especially teenagers, um, you know, have shorter attention spans and they're just accustomed to, um, the fast editing and the bright lights and constantly being entertained. It's not to say that they, they can't, um, absorb or appreciate things that, um, take more time. Like, I think my job is pretty special where as a high school music teacher, um, we're always going slowly towards uh, an end result or a goal that is maybe months away. And we talk a lot about that, about I think one of the best things for kids is forcing them to once in a while slow down and work on something that um, doesn't have an immediate immediate payoff. Mm, um, you right. know, we pass, we pass out a piece of music and say, we're going to work on this piece of music for two, two and a half months, and we're not going to have a concert again Um until we have refined and patiently worked out every detail. And, and there's, there's something to be said for that. And kids thrive in that environment if you set them up for that in the right way. But um, it's absolutely true that they would never make something like this today. Kids today would not be interested in watching this. They would think it was super boring. And even and if I'm going too deep in this, just tell me to shut up. But like, <laughs> even, even with books, like collecting books back in the day, a book was released and you just lived with that book. Now we know like the next 10 that are going to be released. Right. So you're always like looking ahead instead of just really enjoying the moment. And this film strip challenged me to just stop and live in the moment, which stop. I hadn't done in a long time. It's mm-hmm. it's true. Uh, uh, I mean, you can, you can go too far with it. There's the Romeo and Juliet Zeffirelli <laughs> film script. That's that's a little too in the moment. Uh, but it's too in the moment. <laughs> when, when I was in school, uh, and I brought this up with Mark, <laughs> is that uh, when I was in school, there's two film strips that always stuck with me because we watched them several times. One was Halloween oriented. Uh, it's not Halloween when this episode drops, but uh, we used to watch this film strip of Saint-Saëns' uh, Dans Macabre. Uh, and the film strip images were just these paintings of skeletons dancing in a graveyard. And it was so, some of the images were so frightening that I remember just like covering my eye or closing my eyes so I wouldn't have to see them because it was like these scary skeletons. Like oh. they weren't like cartoony. They were like 
these like like very realistic looking paintings of skeletons and you can find if you look up film strip dance macabre on youtube it's there uh but also we used to watch the film strip adaptation of the entire film of willy wonka and the chocolate factory and it had pure imagination and the Oompa Loompa songs, if I remember correctly, and everything. Like, I never saw Willy Wonka as an actual movie until I was oh. in, like, fifth grade because I just knew it by the film strip, like, one image at a time. So where did the sound live on these? Was there a accompanying record? It was a well, for us, it was a cassette tape, but the early ones did have a record. So this Berenstein one had a record? Probably? Uh, I think a cassette. This, this would have been a cassette. Oh, yeah, this one a cassette? I've got a few of these. Like, I don't have this biographical. Oh, that's what one, I was going to ask. Um, yeah, I do have in my collection uh, two or three uh, Berenstain Bears books, uh, film strips. And so what it does, it comes with the actual film strip in a little film canister and then a, a, a cassette tape. Yeah. And that's 35 millimeter film and it's highly volatile. So these things, the other thing is yeah. these things are just, if they're not preserved, they're literally crumbling to dust like wow. over the years um so there will be a time when these things just don't exist anymore because they they're unstable um but what a loss what's cool about the books though is like he has uh, the bicycle lesson the bike lesson yes. uh, uploaded as well this isn't just someone reading the books it's a cast it's people performing the characters and there's like sound effects and music uh and like little transitions in between scenes like even if you don't have the images it's fun to listen to like someone playing papa bear and like someone playing brother bear and do, like doing all the doing all the characters and stuff so it, they really there's an adaptation of ramona and her father the novel that's like a full cast and it's like a like dramatized version of the book uh with like new illustrations and everything just for film strip and these things came out they were shown to classrooms and then as at, just like so much berenstain bears stuff just disappeared until someone wanted to collect it wow yeah. Good thing we're collecting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like, it, like you, you guys, like with, I mean, everything from like the toy store standees of sister bear on her, on her roller skates to uh, classroom materials that were created, like that stuff wasn't intended to kick around. And right. If you don't oh, preserve it, then it's just, it's literally gone forever. And that's what these are like, but these are even different because these are like actual entertainment and media that was created and then it's just gone. Like no one wants it anymore until they want it. Just like people. Just like a, qu a quick side note. Does anyone remember <laughs> the movie during Halloween? In my school, they would show a movie where there's like a witch that puts something in the pancake batter. Then everyone starts seeing pink dots. Wait, no? Okay. You sure that was a movie? <laughs> yes. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> well, okay. Listeners, if anyone knows of a movie where a witch puts something in kids' food that makes them see pink the pancakes. There was, there was an episode of Trapper John MD about that where one of the nurse's daughters uh, had drugs slipped into her gelatin capsules and she started seeing like dots in class. And as a kid, I was like, that's what drugs do. They make you see dots. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to find it and send it to you guys. Sorry, <laughs> to go off Sorry to go off topic. That's okay. That is the point of the show. Uh, so guys, <laughs> any final thoughts on Meet the Berenstains, this amazing film strip find? Um, no, no thoughts other than um, I'm, I'm really grateful for the work that he's doing. And I mean, I, I can't think of a, a more nostalgic sort of media. Like, I mean, as soon as, you, you hit play on that YouTube video, I'm in like 
an elementary classroom and the teacher is turning the lights off and all the kids are just excited. It doesn't matter what the film strip was about. It didn't matter if it was going to be a good one or a bad one. It didn't matter if it was like about a social studies lesson or whether it was like a children's book. You know, we were just always so excited. Ooh, it's film strip day. Yes. Um, and I think that that is um, so fun to to remember and reminisce over. And, um, you know, this is, it's an important piece of documentary art that deserves to be saved. So I'm glad it's being preserved. Jeremy. My one wonder is I wonder how far the Bernstein's house is from where Mike is now. <laughs> I do. And who, yeah. li- and who lives in there now? <laughs> I, I will say this, Jeremy, just to answer, uh, just to answer a question that you had five seconds ago, the movie is called winter of the witch. It was from oh. 1969. And uh, if you search which put something in pancakes, pink dots, there's literally a New York Times article about someone trying to find this movie uh, and only See? and only remembering that it was about a witch serving pancakes and a lot of I dots. told you I'm not crazy. And they found it. It's on YouTube. Winter of the Witch, 1969. All right. You all have to watch it now. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I think we're done. Uh, thank you guys for joining me just to discuss this piece of uncommon ephemera. Thanks I'm for so, having us. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And um, thanks for th- this is gonna be a great episode. Uh, thanks for interviewing him and interviewing us. Yeah. Now go off and do whatever you're doing for Halloween. Happy birthday, Brad. And happy thank you. Birthday, Brad. See thank you. Later. Happy Halloween. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and Phil, I love that shirt. It's fantastic. I do too. Thanks. Best yeah. dressed. <laughs> yep. Best dressed. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And if you're looking to uh, support this show, just keep listening. Like, just keep listening. I'm on Twitter as well, at VStainBearCast. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at Gonzalez. I have two other shows. Uh, it's Del Toro Time that I do with my daughter, Willow, about the films and influences of Guillermo del Toro. And uh, Pizza Toast, uh, Beverly, uh, Beverly Cleary. That was my other podcast that doesn't exist anymore. A Babysitter's Club podcast that I do with uh, frequent guests of the show, Christy Admiral. And for everyone else out there, thank you for listening, and I will see See you all next time deep in bear cut.